0: Uh, we're going to continue this morning in our series in the book of John. We're looking at John chapter 13. As you, if you've if you been reading, you've been going along, you find this is getting to the point in Jesus' life where stuff's going to get real. We're headed towards the crucifixion here. Now, we're not going to talk a whole lot about that, but there's so much in this passage of Scripture that I just wanted to share a piece of it. We're in John chapter 13. Um, We jump down to verse 31. Judas has already gone off to do, Jesus said, go and do what you have to do and do it quickly. We know that he was going to betray Jesus. Um, And here Jesus predicts his own betrayal and he predicts Peter's denial of himself. Let's read what John says here in John chapter 13, starting in verse, uh, let's go to 33. My children, Jesus said, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If maybe you end up in jail and yet unrighteously put in jail and yet you go back and you continue to tell people about Jesus and express his love they might know that you're actually a believer. I didn't know that was part of my sermon this morning. I've always been kind of puzzled with this passage of scripture. I have a new command for you, love one another. Well, that's not new, right? We can read about the need for that in the Old Testament. We need, there's a need for us to love clear back in the Old Testament and yet Jesus says, I have a new command for you. If you boil it down, if we really look at it, Jesus is saying, I want you to love people like I love you. That's the new command. Right? That's the new command. He said you can take the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament. You don't really need to worry about those. There was also this thing called the rabbinical law, the law of the rabbis. 600 plus laws. He said you really don't need those laws. There are really two that you need. Those two laws are love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if you grab hold of just those two, if you love like I love in just those two, that will take all those other laws into effect, every last one of them, every last one of them. We don't have to worry about all the rules and the regulations and all the things we have to do. We have to love. Before I can give love, though, what do I have to do? i got to receive love. i got to have something in my tank to give. Love is a funny thing in our culture. We love our cars. We love our coffees. We love our donuts. We love chocolate. Love is a funny thing. Yeah, amen. I knew I'd get one out of there. So there's a story I read about a husband and a wife. They could never love one another. They could never get along. They fought all the time over money. He wanted to make it rich quick. She wanted him to get a job. He bought lottery ticket after lottery ticket after lottery ticket. Spent all their money. Finally, she's like, I've had it. I've had it. We never have nothing. You always want to make it just get rich quick. We never have anything. We barely have any food. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. She goes to a lawyer. She gets a divorce. A week later, she sends him a, a letter. She actually goes so far as to send him a letter. Dear Donald, no words could express the great unhappiness that I have been feeling. I've felt since we, our marriage broke up. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. Please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. P.S., congratulations on winning the mega lottery. <laughs> We live in a world where things like money determine our affection. Jesus didn't say love like I love you as long as there's cash still coming in. How is your love for the people around you? How is your love for the people that you are around at work? Maybe I should ask that about the person that you're sitting next to. Let's get our toes back here, Pastor. You're kind of stepping a little close. How are we loving those people that we are around? You say, well, you don't understand my neighbor. You don't get what that's like. You don't know what my wife is like. You've never seen, you see her at church. You've never seen her. You know, I thought about this. I thought, if I actually won the Mega Millions Lottery deal, everybody I know would probably know, even if I didn't tell them. If you knew, you'd tell somebody that you knew somebody that won the lottery. So everybody I knew would know. But what about the lottery that we have with Christ? What about the relationship that we have with Christ? What about the love that we have with Christ? With Christ. We come in and we talk about the things that we did this weekend. We talk about the cars or we talk about the sports or we talk about the whatever we did. I went to Rolog last weekend. You heard about that. You you hear about those things. When was the last time you just sat down? Move over. <laughs> we like each other. I can do that. When was the last time somebody just sat down and talked to you about my relationship with God? I mean, do you know how special that's going right now? What, what about my relationship with somebody else? What about, I got I to gotta tell you about my neighbor. I mean, you're not going to believe this. But my neighbor actually called me the other day just because he needed somebody to pray with him. That really happened. That really happened. He called because... His grandson's girlfriend was killed in an accident. He said, I just need someone to talk to. He spent 10 minutes talking to my wife first because he knew that he could share that. He knew it was a safe place. He called and he said, I just just really need someone. I just need to vent. And I said, can I pray with you? Oh, man, would you please do that? jesus said i want you to love people like i love you and i'm convinced at that moment in time his disciples didn't even know what that meant because he hadn't done it yet he hadn't taken those steps to the cross he hadn't gone that far yet he'd begun laying down his life they began to see it they saw how he could provide they saw how he prayed they saw how he did miracles as of yet they had not seen somebody lay down their life for them. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Matthew, Mark, Luke, every one of them talks about that. And Jesus said, You can you can take all the other all the other rules, wrap them all up in those two, and you'll cover exactly what I have for you. Peter gives us a picture of this. It's, it's later on. It's, it's after they've experienced Jesus going to the cross. It's after they've experienced Peter laying or Jesus laying down their life for us. And, and Peter gives us this, this example in 1 Peter chapter 1. Now, you have to understand that Peter is writing to believers, to people who believe in Jesus, that are living in Rome, they're not living in their own country, and they're persecuted. That's who Jesus is, that's who Peter is writing to. Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus laid down his life and then he came back to life. And because of that, we have great hope. Even though you're being persecuted, Even though you're not able to live in your own community, even though you're you're under somebody else's rule, and into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You don't have to worry about the stock market, you don't have to worry about whether the Dow is going to crash or not. Your inheritance is not here on this earth. Remember last week we talked about Judas and we talked about the things of this earth. We talked about how they're so they're they're fleet they're just cheap. There's this is this is this earth, and then there's something precious. There's something precious, the blood of Christ. There's something precious, something that was made for me. Now, this is the only one of a kind. And as I had Raymond standing up here playing the piano, and I threw this at him, which by the way was not rehearsed. You saw that startled look on his face. It was legitimate. He had to set this aside to catch that which was precious. Folks, we have to set aside the temporary, the things of this earth. We have to set those things aside for something that is far more precious. Eternal life is far more precious. And there's an inheritance that can never perish. Perish. Can never, your inheritance in Christ can never perish. It can never tarnish. It can never spoil. It's kept in heaven for you. It's not even kept in grandpa's safe, it's safer than safe. It's kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are, talking about us in Christ, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of troubles. Peter's saying, look, you might have to suffer a little bit here, but because you have given your life to Christ, there's an inheritance for you that will never, fade away. It'll never pass. Peter talks about this new birth. And after he talks about that birth, then he says, there are some commands that go with that. I want you to understand there are some commands. 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 14, the first command. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. How many of us can identify a time in our life when we had evil desires? Pick me, pick me. (laughs) How many of you know that some of those evil desires still come around? Pick me, pick me. But Peter says, as obedient children... Do not conform to those evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. Meaning, now that you've accepted Christ, you're no longer ignorant of God's grace. You're no longer ignorant of what he has done for you. The Bible says he takes out your old heart, that heart of stone, and he, he transforms it and he makes it like a heart that's soft. There's flesh again. And he begins to write his law on that heart. So even though you say, well, I'm not really sure that I know that I shouldn't steal, you know that you shouldn't steal. Not because of the rules, not because of the laws, but because he's written them on your heart. You know it. I know it. Well, I just thought I would go out and do what I always did. Guess what? There are consequences for that. Listen to this. But just as he who called you is holy, do we believe that God is a holy God? Do you believe he's a holy God? I believe he's a holy God. Do you believe that he's called you out of darkness into light? He's called you out of ignorance into light. Do you believe that? I believe that. Just as a holy God has called you out of darkness, out of ignorance, so be holy in all that you do. Just like he's holy, he wants you to be holy. He wants me to be holy. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each persons work impartially. Okay, Brian, step on up. God judges Brian's work based on Brian. That means if Brian does not believe that the Vikes will go to the Super Bowl, he shouldn't get to say that I got to lose my hair if they do. I thought we were a team. We're a team. Sit down, partner. He judges our works impartially. He's going to judge me based on what I did. That means not only do I not get to blame him, but I also don't get to ride on his shirt tails and say, he's a pretty righteous dude and we're partners, and so therefore I get to be... You know, he's, he's holy enough for both of us. <laughs> Sandy's shaking her head. Before Brian did, Sandy was "Oh,." oh... <laughs> Don't go there, pastor. You're going to (laughs) lose. Listen to this in verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? I don't sing very good. But... Here's the point. This world is not our home. If you got saved expecting that this was all the better, it's going to get. Whoo! Man, have I got a story for you? It's going to get so much better. It's gonna, you wait till our salvation is fully revealed. You, we're waiting on that. I believe we're here. I believe God can do amazing things. We get to walk in hope. We get to walk in peace. We get to walk in joy that, that is unspeakable. It goes beyond anything you can imagine. And it's going to get better. But Peter says, through all of that, be holy. Live your life here like a foreigner, for you know, you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down from your ancestors. Do you know why gold is valuable? No! None of us do. Because somebody said gold is valuable. If they had said pickles were valuable we'd probably be trading pickles on the stock market. Why is silver valuable? I don't know. But are you really going to put your hope and trust in a rock? How about putting your hope and your trust in the rock? You were not purchased with pickles. You weren't purchased with silver or gold. The Bible says that the streets of heaven are laid with gold. Do you really want to trust your soul to asphalt? That's all it is in heaven. That's all it's worth. We're going to walk on it. So it's gold. Big deal. Instead, God says, I want you holy as I am holy because you were not pre- purchased with gold or silver or asphalt, verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without spot or blemish or defect. Jesus gave his life, a perfect, sinless life, that he did nothing wrong. He did nothing wrong. He gave his life and he redeemed Brent. He gave his life and he redeemed two Jims. He gave his life and he redeemed a Wendy and a Annette and a Zoe and a Nicole and a, and a Bob and a Sally and a Sue and a Jim and a John. He redeemed each one of us with his blood, not with anything else. So because he did that, he's saying, I want you to be holy. It absolutely astounds me It absolutely astounds me. People come into my office and they talk to me and they want God to fix their lives and yet they live their life like God doesn't exist. I just had somebody call not that long ago and say, Pastor, we want to do some counseling. I said, well, that's great. What kind of counseling are we doing? Well, marriage counseling. Well, that's great. haven't seen you in church in about three years. Where are you going to church? We're not going to church. Why are you reading? Well, we're not reading. You know, and he likes to drink a little bit, and he likes to chase girls, and he likes to do... You know what? Why are we going to waste my time? Why are we going to waste your time? We've gone down this road before, and at the end of it, you choose to go out and continue to live like God does not exist, and you wonder why he doesn't work in your life? Well, I'm a Christian. Then be holy. I'm a Christian. Well, then live, Peter says, then live like it. Why is my life a mess? Why are my kids falling apart? Why is my marriage going to implode? I'm sorry, but because you're living like hell. You're planting seeds in that kingdom of darkness and that kingdom of darkness is going to reap fruit in your life. Stop it. Stop it. We're believers. You've been purchased by the blood of Christ. Peter says, strive to live holy. We're bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Number two, second thing Peter says here. Second command that he gives. You know that, that's really a command for us to live holy. That's really not an option. That's a command. P- Peter's saying, "Live holy. Just like God is holy. you've been redeemed. Live holy." He's not giving it as an option. You want to see God work in your life, live holy. First Peter, chapter one, verse 21. "Through Him you believe in God. Who raised him through Jesus, you believe in God, who raised him, Jesus, from the dead and glorified him, so that your faith and your hope are in God. Verse 22 get a hold of this. Now that you have purified yourself. Who purified you? Now that you have purified yourself. Like me? Like, you mean I don't just get to say, well, the devil made me do it, and I get to get by with that anymore? No. No, the devil don't get to make you do it. You make a choice. I make a choice. Every time I choose to walk down that road that is a road of sin, I'm making that choice. Peter says, purify yourself. How? By obeying the truth. What truth? The truth. By obeying the truth. When scripture says, be not drunk with wine, you go back into the original text, what do you think that means? Be not drunk with wine. (laughs) Don't fornicate. Well, in the original language, I think that means don't fornicate. Don't take God's name in vain. Well, I thought you told me we didn't have to do all the rules. You don't have to do all the rules. Love God first. Okay? Love God first. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are a temple. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are a temple. Every time Gerald's here, I just want to sing. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are a temple. You are a temple of the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, then we shouldn't want any sin in there. Right? Well, Pastor, I'm not really sure. Well, get sure. It's what His Word says. I don't want you to answer this question, but I want to ask it. And I want you to answer it in your head. What is your job today? Don't say anything. What is your job? Three, two, one. Okay, now. What? Ooh, that was a good one. To love others. Ooh, that was a good one. See, somebody out here is going, I'm a nurse. (laughs) That's fine. We have jobs. But the reality is, according to God's word, our first, our primary job is to love God and to love others. And in that, we're supposed to be disciple makers. Well, pastor, you don't know my life. You don't know my, I mean, a man, like, dude, I, I can't make a disciple. Yeah, you can. It starts out by being holy. Let's get that down first. And then somebody's going to recognize that and go, ooh, what, what happened in your life? Actually, they might call and say, hey, can you pray for me? And you say, yeah, I'll pray for you. And then tomorrow you stop by and you just hang out a little bit. And you leave just a little bit of Jesus with them. And then the next day, you stop by, and you hang out just a little. Well, pastor, I don't have that kind of time. That's funny, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to love God, and we're called to love others. And it wraps up all the rules, wraps it all up. Old Testament, New Testament, beginning, end, future, wraps it all up. Love God. Love others. This is kind of an amazing thing for me. He goes on, he goes on here. He says, uh, uh, purify yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other. Then he says, love one another deeply. We're going to go from sincere love to loving one another deeply. That means I care about my neighbor. And then it means when my neighbor's facing tragedy, it breaks my heart like it breaks his heart. I'm bawling with the guy on the phone. I never met this girl. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It's like, pastor, I've had such difficult people in my life. How am I ever gonna do that? It's simple. It's simple. It's amazing. It's amazingly simple. It's like a, it's right here. It's right here. Love one another deeply. How? By having a sincere love, how? By purifying yourself, how? By obeying the truth. Peter's saying if you just simply obey the truth of God's word, if you'll just do that, if you'll step into this place of being holy because God is holy, you're going to find that you love your neighbor even though you don't like him. There's gonna be something that takes place inside of you because there's not this contention about what is, what's going on, what should I do? I don't like what he does. I don't. Jesus didn't like what I did when I was getting stoned every morning before school. He didn't like what I did when I stole from the grocery store. He didn't like that about me. But he loved me enough that if I will simply apply myself to being pure, you go, oh man, that's a hard deal. How do you do that? Obey the truth. Obey the truth. Obey the truth. What does God's word say, folks? We need to become disciples. We need to become disciples, and then we need to make disciples. We need to go beyond our boundaries, beyond our. We need to reach out. I read a story it was during World War II and there were some American soldiers in France and they had lost one of their friends in a battle. And they wanted to honor their friend and give him a proper burial. And so they found a church, the local church in France. And in this church, the church and then the graveyard that was right alongside, it were all in barbed wire fence. They were all in barbed wire and they, they wanted to do this burial. They were on their own. They had their, Deceased friend. So they went and they found the priest and they asked the priest if they could do a burial. Could we please bury our friend in your graveyard? And the priest said, is he Catholic? Should that matter? Not about whether he's Catholic or not, he's dead. And so the priest said, if he's not Catholic, you can't bury him here. You can't bury him in our cemetery. And so they got this fence And over here is the church, and here's the cemetery. And the boy said, "Well, we'll bury him here." They took their shovels, and they were outside of the fence. It was a safe area. They dug the grave that night. It was getting dark. They knew they weren't going to have time. Their platoon was moving on, so they dug their grave and they buried their friend. They went home that. They went back to the camp that night. In the morning, they decided that they wanted to. Uh, go back one more time and pay respect to their friend. And so they went back and they looked 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 and they they couldn't find the grave. They kinda wanted to put a marker there and they looked and they couldn't find the grave and finally they found the priest. And they told the priest, can you help us? Can you help us find our friend? And he said, during the first hours of the night, I was in my room watching you dig the grave. And I regretted so much that I wouldn't allow your friend to be buried in our graveyard. So in the second half of the night after you left, I moved the fence. Your friend is in the graveyard. You see folks, we got the opportunity all the time to extend grace and move the fence. We got that opportunity all the time to extend grace. You and I should be the light of the world and people should know that we're disciples because we love Christ so much. I'm guilty, I'm guilty of having a conversation about football and tractors and cars instead of having a a conversation about Christ. I'm guilty of that. But I'm telling you, God is doing something in this community, in this area. I don't know if you know this or not. In the last year and a half, I know five pastors from our community who've taken a sabbatical. Five pastors. That doesn't happen very often. In this community, in the last year and and upcoming now, there are six churches that I know either are in the middle of a building program, have just completed a a building program, or are ready to do a building program. I did the math just briefly. Somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 million is going to go into buildings in the next year. Guess what? God is not wasting his money. He's preparing the church. He's preparing the buildings, and I believe he's preparing the church. I believe he's preparing you and me to not only be holy, to not only be disciples, but to be disciple makers. Every one of us, every one of us, if you know Jesus, God is calling you to be a disciple maker, to step beyond. I expect Days when you're gonna come in and there's not gonna be a whole lot of room. Some people say, well, you said, pastor, there's gonna be 400 people. I never said there's gonna be 400 people. I said, God told me to prepare for 400 people. We've got room, bring them in. We've got room, bring them in. So I don't, I don't really know what it means to, to disciple somebody. What do you like in your coffee? I want a donut, you want a donut with that? Pickle. How's life going? How's life going? Can I pray with you today? Does does it it have to be weird? Is it only pastors that are weird and pray for people? Any of you ever prayed for somebody outside of here and you're not a pastor? If you're not a pastor, look at that. You're all weird too. We're peculiar peculiar people. We're estranged strange people. And we should love our God so much that people look at that and go, you... Are different and I know that God loves me because you're loving me and you're loving God hey how's your day going I'm a believer <laughs> what <laughs> okay is that what it takes that might be a little weird but how about somebody that just cares enough we were on a retreat one time, a men's retreat, and Scott Eiley was walking across the parking lot and threw something on the ground. And I picked it up, and he said, oh, you are a real Christian. That's good to see. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I didn't know that was the test. A, I didn't know there was a test. Look, folks, God's calling us. We're running a little late. We're running a little long. But God is calling us to love one another deeply. I watched a video this week of Francis Chan. Francis Chan's probably 50 years old. He's a pastor out in California, I suppose. He and his wife got married some 30 years ago. Three weeks after they got married, he said, I think I'm supposed to start a church. Is that okay? She's like, I guess so. So he started a church in his home before long. It was 15 people and it was 20 people and it was 30 people and it was 50 people. Next thing you know, it's five people Thousand people, not in his living room, but 5,000 people. They'd built buildings, and they spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on programming. And a few years ago, he walked away from it all. And he said, the reason I walked away from it all is because I heard people talking about their cars and their trucks and their basketball games. I heard them talking about all kinds of stuff. But we weren't making disciples. We weren't making disciples disciples. You're called. Each one of you is called. What's your job? Disciple maker. How do you do it? You love Jesus and then you love your neighbor. And if you find yourself kind of short on this loving your neighbor thing, go back and see how much you're loving Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, really? Would God be pleased with the way your week went? Would he be pleased with the way my Week went. Would he be pleased with the plans that I have for this week? God's calling us to be disciple makers. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Well, God, I made it through the first half of my notes. But I believe your spirit has spoken clearly to us this morning. It's not about having a building... It's about using that facility for your glory. It's not about the things that we have in our life spiritually about you answering prayers as much as it about are we sharing the love of Jesus Christ. It's not about gold and silver. None of us can be redeemed with gold and silver. Are we holy? Are we living a life that honors you? Do we Live every moment as though you're right there with us because you are. We invite you into our heart and then you're with us. You take this journey with us. Do we live that every day? Do we believe that a half an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday is going to change our lives? Or that our lives need to be lives of worship? Our lives need to be lives of disciples. Discipline, giving ourselves, even when things get tough, because it's not about our inheritance here. It's about what you have for us in eternity. God I pray that you'd move in our hearts. Challenge us. I, I don't, I don't want to hear that this is a good sermon, God. I want to see it. I want to see people's lives moved. We make a decision, it takes an action. Action requires a decision. Help us to move. Help us to move towards becoming holy and then sincere lovers of the people that you put in our way every single day. Amen. Amen. Go out and love God this week. And love your neighbors. Have a great week.